Welcome to the High Performing Human Podcast, where we talk about how you can reach your potential as an athlete through nutrition, fitness, recovery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hannah Boyle of Hannah RDN, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, everybody. This is Hannah here with you this week, and we are getting ready to go into another episode of the High Performing Human podcast. So this week, um, I wanted to touch a little bit on some things that you may not necessarily um, take into consideration when we talk sports performance or um, athletics or really anything like that. But what I wanted to talk about was the idea of self-care, like self-development, personal development. Um, I actually had a lot of that going on um, this past weekend at a business retreat that I was at. But, you know, it's so underrated um, just like taking care of yourself. Let's think about things this way. So you have your stress response that is affected by different things going on in your life and unfortunately over time different things that we have going on can cause different stresses to build up um different types of events different types of even just like not taking care of our body properly can lead to our body being overstressed now when your body is overstressed that leads to hormone imbalances especially in your stress hormones like cortisol and when those things are imbalanced you actually can't recover as well your body does not your body kind of gets dysregulated when it comes to growth and repair when it comes to what you need when it uh you're sleeping like your your sleep schedule could be off so take a look at kind of the bigger picture you know when when you're stressed or when you have a lot going on sometimes you may not sleep as well or sometimes you may find that you are not recovering as well or you may be more sore um, after training or anything like that. So take that into consideration. Maybe even like take a look back and think, okay, um, as a student athlete during maybe finals week, was your training off? Was there a a shift in how you felt with training? Um, In your personal life, if you've had anything substantial happened how did your training uh, change how did your recovery how was your recovery affected around that time and also look at you know when you're stressed or when you know you have different things going on how are you eating are your eating habits different so all of those things can play a part into uh, how your body feels like I said the recovery aspect the sleep aspect Um, inflammation, all that good stuff. So what I wanted to talk about today was just a few different key things that you can do to make sure that you are prioritizing yourself, taking care of yourself, because that is, like I said, just so underrated and it's um, an important piece that we need to take into consideration. So a little bit more 
on this whole stress thing. So as I mentioned, we have a stress response in our body. So back in the day when we were all cavemen and women, we needed to run away from big scary animals in order to make sure that we could stay alive. And that is uh, what we call our fight or flight response. Um, that is part of our central nervous system. Um, so when you think about that, when you think about, okay, what does it sound like, fight or flight? Well, your body is preparing you to either stay and fight off this thing, whatever it is, if you think you can do that, or it's preparing you to flee. So basically what has to happen is your body completely shifts and it goes into this mode where, okay, we are taking all of our resources, energy, blood volume, all that kind of stuff. We are going to put that into uh, the things that need to, we need to be able to fight or flee. So we're looking at our extremities, being able to run faster. Think about adrenaline. Like when you have adrenaline going, there's always talk about how like you're, you know, so many times stronger, you can go that much faster. Or in a competition, when your adrenaline is high, you can perform better. And that is can be part of that fight or flight response. So that was super helpful for us, you know, back in the day when we were, you know, hanging out with like the tigers and whatever else. But now we are in a place where it is daily. We're having these like micro stressors and they are causing this fight or flight response to be active and it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, so, you know, it, the fight or flight response is a good thing when we absolutely need it. It's a good thing when we are in danger and we need to use that adrenaline or when we're in a um, high stress situation where that type of response is warranted. However, in our day-to-day -day lives, there's so much stress and overwhelm that our fight or flight response kicks in a lot more than we need it to, a lot more than we would want it to. And that causes a chronic high stress state. And that chronic high stress state, our bodies are not meant to be in that state. And our bodies are, so if you think about like the fact that, okay, all of our stress hormones are, you know, heightened, all of our fight or flight mechanisms are heightened. We're not necessarily getting the blood flow and attention to some of the other necessary body processes. So therefore, we end up not being able to recover properly. Our body is doing other things. Our body is worried about other things, doing other paying attention to other parts of our body. And while our bodies are amazing things and we do so much without even thinking, like there is a point where our bodies just can only do so much at once. And when we are in that heightened state of stress, our bodies can't both deal with that stress and have that high stress hormone going on as well as go into rest and digest mode. Those are two opposite things. So therefore, our body is suffering because we are constantly in this state of high stress. So thinking about that from an athlete or an exerciser's perspective, 
that really puts a damper on what you're doing in terms of trying to exercise to become better when you're not recovering as well as you could be and you're not seeing all of the positive adaptations and gains that you could be seeing because your body is not adequately or doesn't have the adequate response. So here's another thing to consider. Exercise is a stress on the body. Exercise is stress. You are stressing your muscles. You're stressing uh, different, I mean, your central nervous system. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. So take that into consideration and think about the fact that you are exercising and when you are done exercising or during exercise and in the recovery phase, your body makes all these adaptations and that's what actually makes you stronger. So kind of thinking about the idea of like resiliency, like, you know, you get pushed so far and eventually that makes you a better human. Um, You get put into stressful situations and you kind of learn how to deal with them. Same thing with exercise. Your body gets put in this scenario where your muscles and everything else is under stress and then your body adapts to make it better to better deal with that situation in the future, which in this case is building muscle and repairing and all that jazz. So here's the thing though. If exercise is a stress on the body and we are chronically stressed in terms of our day-to-day, that's a lot of stuff going on and it can actually make it harder for our body to be able to adapt and see the benefits of exercise because we're not giving our chance of, we're not giving our bodies a chance to recover properly. Anyways, so that being said, what we need to do is figure out ways that we can A, make sure that our training is not overstressing our bodies, as well as B, we want to make sure that what we're doing in our day-to-day lives is not causing too much stress that is triggering that fight or flight response to be active all the time. So training and stress and training is one thing. So that is actually something that we're going to talk about on an upcoming podcast episode. I'm going to have my friend Amber come in. She is a doctor of physical therapy. She also has her uh, degree in exercise sciences. So we are going to discuss training, training programs, maybe what training should look like and how to get the best bang for your buck when it comes to training and different needs for different types of people when it comes to training programs and stress and how the body adapts to that stress and overtraining and all that kind of stuff will be covered in that podcast. So I'm going to leave that for a later date. What I would like to talk about today is what we can do in our day-to-day lives to decrease that amount of stress so we can allow our bodies to have the capabilities to adapt to those stressors of exercise to become better athletes, to become stronger, have more cardiovascular endurance, have more, even, you know, think about like flexibility and balance, all those things, all the components of fitness really are your body making adaptations to what you do to it. So not only do we have to make sure our training is on point, we also have to make sure that in our day-to-day we are treating our body properly. So again, 
that goes much farther than what we talk about. When we talk about nutrition, we talk about how you can aid your body in recovery. We talk about needing to hydrate. We talk about um, sleep, which I'll touch on a little bit here today too. But there, I mean, really, if you are overstressed by all of these different things going on in your life and you just can't seem to control it, you might even deal with anxiety, depression, all that kind of thing, that is something that we need to address in order to help you become a better athlete because you'll be able to adapt better to the exercise and the stimulus that you are putting on your body. So before I get too much farther into this, I'm just going to say this. Some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about is some meditation techniques, some breathing techniques, just some other things. And honestly, you might be thinking, what the hell is this lady talking about? She's going to give me some woo-woo bullshit and she's going to try to make me, you know, meditate or become one with what... I'm telling you this shit works. So that's why I am like, I am not one to, I mean, or I never was one to be into this kind of stuff, but I can tell you what, if I can sit and take 10 deep breaths and it changes my emotion, or if I can actually control what I have like going on inside my body, you are you better believe that that's what I'm going to do. If it's going to help me that much and it's just going to make me feel better, not only physically because I'm going to be able to adapt to these stressors better, but also mentally. So I'm going to talk about a few of those things and some different practices that you can put into play in order to help you de-stress and in turn really become a better athlete. So a lot of people that I work with mention that you know the world that we live in it's so chaotic and so it takes a lot to unwind so the first thing that i would really recommend that you adopt and i am actually working on adopting this myself i'm figuring out what works for me is an evening wind down routine and i know especially if you are you know a younger athlete student athlete this is going to come as a major like I'm not freaking doing that type of thing, but it really is important to limit your screen time in the evening. So let's think about, um, you know, powering down electronics at a certain time at night. I understand that that's difficult to do personally. I mean, I am the type of person where I will work until 10 p.m. Like I'm recording this at 9 p.m right now. So I get it. It's not an easy thing to do. So we need to make sure that we tap into kind of our priorities, what's important. And, you know, if we don't start with, even if we don't start with that whole, okay, where I'm going to shut my phone off at, you know, 7 p.m. and or leave it, you know, outside my bedroom when I go to bed, even if we're not on that level yet, take that into consideration and think about what you can do. So for example, on my phone, I have it set so that um, at 7 p.m. the screen color changes to a warmer tone. So I, you know, kind of shut off the blue light. Um, The glasses that I wear have blue light blockers. Just little simple things like that. That'll help your body kind of calm down and help your sleep cycle become more regular and just help you have better quality of sleep. So that's one thing that you can do for an evening routine. Another thing 
would be um, something that you know helps calm you down. Ideally, it's not watching television because again, then we have screens involved, the blue light, just not exactly optimal. So for me, I've actually started reading in the evening. Um, I also really do recommend planning your day, planning your next day. So for me, I use a uh, written planner. Um, I That just helps keeps my day organized, especially working from home. So what I will do is I will make sure that I have planned out my next day. And along with that, I jot down everything that's kind of on my mind in terms of things that I have to do. Because there's nothing worse than going to bed and then all of a sudden your mind is racing because you're thinking of all of the things that you have to do the next day or in the coming days and then, you know, waking up the next morning and then realizing that you forgot what you were thinking of and then it just bothers you the rest of the day. Or if you've already experienced that laying in bed at night and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get up and go write this down because I know I'm going to forget. So it's good to just make that part of your wind down and your nightly routine to just kind of do what I call a brain dump. So just whether you have a notebook by your bed, whether you use a planner like I do that you can write down your to-dos, write it down, brain dump, get it out of the way so that way your brain is clear. I don't know about you guys, but I find that I feel like I've got a ton of junk going through my brain and there's like 50 bajillion things that I feel like I have to do, but then I write them down on the list and it's like five things. I'm like, well, what the shit? Like, <laughs> that was so much more in my head. Like, it, it took up so much brain space and it doesn't, it, it, and that's just the thing, it, like the way it is. And our brains, things aren't as organized as when we put them, you know, when we write them down, type them out, put them on paper, it's just not the same. So I really do recommend that you do those things. Um, another couple things that I do for nighttime, um, because I do deal with um, stress and anxiety, and also I do have um, a recurring issue with um, depleted magnesium levels, I do take a magnesium supplement. I take the um, powder, the natural calm powder um, in the evening, and that does help me fall asleep as well. Um, or rather it helps kind of regulate my sleep cycle. Um, in the past I have been on, well, and even now too, depending on how my sleep schedule looks, I also take a cortisol manager because my cortisol levels are known to be a little bit out of whack. Um, however, I did get that from my naturopathic doctor, uh, after talking to him a little bit about what I needed. So that is something that, I mean, is an option depending on um, your healthcare provider or what they think is best for you. So that's kind of part of my night nighttime routine. And it's also good to make it regular. So make it something where, okay, at 7 p.m., at 8 p.m., you start this, these are the things that you do when you're in bed by a certain time. And then, for example, if you get in bed and you read for a while, you read for this amount of time or, you know, but then make it a regular routine. That is going to help a lot. Another thing that you could start doing right away if you're like, oh my gosh, that's not like, I, I never have a regular schedule. Like a routine is just not in the, the cards for me right now. I would really highly suggest you guys look into what's called diaphragmatic breathing. You can literally take 10 deep breaths and become like be in a completely different mind state. 
It calms you down. I mean, honestly, when I am laying in bed and I can't sleep and I do this diaphragmatic breathing, I don't ever think I get to 10 breaths. Um, and I have chronic issues with not being able to fall asleep. Like I, there are some nights where I can lay in bed for 45 minutes and not fall asleep, which is not good. Side note, sleep doc, specialist, whatever he is, um, Matthew Walker, go listen to him if you want to learn more about your sleep. He suggests that if you do not fall asleep within 15 minutes, you need to get up out of your bed, out of your room, and go elsewhere in your house and just sit there until you get tired because if you start to allow yourself to be awake, tossing and turning and not being able to fall asleep actually in your physical bed space, then you're going to start to associate your bed not with sleep. Um... And it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Now for me, in my current situation, my office is in my bedroom. So it doesn't quite work out that well because everything is in the same room as my bed. So anyways, that's just a little bit of a side note. So this whole breathing technique thing, I find that if I use it and I do it correctly or even just um, counting my breath. So like I'll inhale for three, exhale for five. Um, it will help me go to sleep faster. Um, as long as I don't have any like other major things going on. Um, you know, it doesn't work all the time, but when it does work normally, I am sleeping before I get to 10 breaths. So that is something, and that's actually a type of meditation. Now, I feel like a lot of people hear meditation and they think of like sitting cross-legged with their eyes closed and you know, chanting some crazy thing. Like, it's not like that at all. Or, like, the whole idea of, like, meditation being not thinking of anything. There's so much more to it than that. And it doesn't have to be exactly that. And I found meditation and just being mindful of what's going on in my surroundings and what's going on in my brain has been super helpful to decrease stress. And my clients have actually found it super helpful. It's a tactic that I use on a regular basis. As I mentioned, I'll go through the diaphragmatic breathing. So a lot of times what happens is we breathe a lot into our chest rather than breathing into our bellies. So when you are trying to figure out um, the whole diaphragmatic breathing thing, I would suggest that you lay on your back. You put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly. What you want to do is when you breathe in, you want to fill your belly and have that hand that is on your stomach rise before your chest does. And then when you exhale, just kind of let it all out and let it out slower. So when I mentioned counting your breaths, if you wanted to do this at the same time as the diaphragmatic breathing, I would suggest inhaling for a count of three and exhaling for a count of five. That longer exhale helps you to relax and helps your body relax a little bit more. So diaphragmatic breathing, you really are focusing on filling the belly first and breathing with your diaphragm rather than breathing into your chest. Another form of mindfulness or meditation that I like to use is I will set a timer and you can start with something as short as, you know, a minute. I have tend to, I usually don't go over five minutes just because that's where I'm at, but I'll do like um, three or five minutes and I literally just sit there. Now you can do guided meditations where it kind of walks you through what you need to be think like what you should think about. Um, there's different 
body scans that you can do in mindful uh, mindfulness apps or meditation apps um, that are guided. So like Headspace is one, Calm is one. But those are super, super helpful. But if I'm not feeling like going through like a whole guided meditation, what I'll do is I will just sit and I will focus on counting my breaths. And the biggest thing with mindfulness is when you notice your brain going off into different areas or thinking about different things or you lose focus, you don't get upset about it. All you do is you acknowledge it. You acknowledge, oh, I am not focused on my breath. Oh, I'm distracted. And then you just bring it back in and then you go back to the breath. So it's it's okay if you aren't thinking or aren't like completely mindless when you're meditating. It's mindfulness. You're really just paying attention to, you're trying to hone in on your body, your breath and what you're doing. Again, as I'm talking, I know that you, like this sounds like some crazy, you know, it, it, it might sound crazy. That's fine. But I promise you this stuff works. And this is going to be something that helps you with your recovery. So I wear a wristband um, kind of like you would, you know, where, you know, your Apple Watch or a Fitbit can track your sleep and stuff like that and your steps. This does the same thing, but it also tracks my recovery. It's called a bio strap. And what it does is it will tell me what my resting heart rate is, what my heart rate variability score is. That is a piece that you can use to track recovery. And it will also tell me my recovery score based on how well I slept, the amount of deep sleep that I had, what my resting heart rate is compared to my baseline, and what my heart rate variability is compared to my baseline. Now, disclaimer, these things can be inaccurate. That's totally true. Um, But it is a good indicator to kind of see where your body is at and kind of just look at the patterns and see if you can identify different types of things that are maybe causing your body more stress or causing you not to recover well. I tell you what, there was a period of time, I actually did this for a project for my graduate degree. I meditated every day, just did like a simple like five minute mindfulness practice before bed and my stress levels went down and I could physically see on my app that my heart rate variability improved as well as my resting heart rate and therefore overall my recovery scores improved. So this really does work. And this is just one piece of taking care of yourself and making time for yourself. So other forms of self-care other than reducing stress through creating a nighttime routine and doing that whole mindfulness practice, you know, just making sure that you have time where you set aside for something that you enjoy doing. You know, if you are a student athlete, sometimes we can get caught up in, okay, training and other obligations and maybe even, you know, if you do any sort of work and then school and then, you know, it just kind of gets, it can be very stressful. So just knowing to take time for yourself and by taking time for yourself, I don't mean, you know, going out with friends all the time and partying and stuff like that because that's going to be a completely different stress on your body. 
but just letting yourself kind of relax and chill out, that is going to be super important for your own mental health and it really is a huge component of how you recover. Now, all of this being said, this is stuff that I've known for a long time, but I don't necessarily practice it myself and that is a problem because I notice it in my own recovery and I notice it in how I feel and that's why I wanted to talk about it because this is something that I'm going to be working on too. Like I said, I'm working on creating my own nighttime routine as well as getting back into mindfulness practices as well as making sure that I take a break from work every once in a while and allow myself to just kind of enjoy life. And I wanted to talk about this because I do know the benefits. I have experienced the benefits, but sometimes we just lose track of all of these things that we should be doing for ourselves in our crazy day-to-day lives. So I just wanted you guys to kind of take that into consideration. Um, I would be super interested to hear about what practices you guys have to help yourselves make sure that you are engaging in self-care, make sure that you are helping reduce your stress, all that good stuff. So definitely feel free to leave me a comment, send me an email. I would just, I want to hear kind of what you guys are doing because it's great to be able to share those experiences. And if you're doing something that I'm not, um, I want to hear about it because it might work for me or, you know, maybe we can share it and it can be something that would help somebody else. So as I mentioned, um, in Probably next week in, or in upcoming episodes, we're going to maybe talk a little bit more about stress on your body, um, training responses, all that good stuff. But for now, for this week, we are all done with this episode and I will be talking to you guys again soon. Always, please feel free to reach out if you need anything and go follow me on social media. I am on Facebook at at Hannah Boyle RDN. So that's H-A-N-N-A-H-B-O-Y-L-R-D-N. Instagram is at Hannah RDN underscore. So at H-A-N-N-A-H RDN and underscore. Um, And yeah, go check it out. And I look forward to talking with you guys again soon.